1: Coming up today on The Story. My sister had become a a Christian and she had been a heroin addict. Well, her and my brother took me to that church and I did the same thing. And about a month later, I got baptised in water. The pastor made a, a large mention of the fact that I was in LRB. So I was a bit of a celebrity in the church and I was quite embarrassed about that. So I went home and I looked up at the ceiling and I said to God that if you're there, I don't believe that you are, but I'm just letting you know that I'm never going back. The Story
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with George McArdle, who was the bass player with The Little River Band during the peak of their international success in the late 1970s. So once again, we'll be reminiscing with him about his life journey. Last time, George shared about his troubled childhood and how he grew up in a dysfunctional family. This planted troublesome seeds in his life that would lead to problems for him down the road. We ended just as he was at the peak of his success with LRB. Once again, he's chatting with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios.
2: That's the song, Help It's On Its Way, by the Little River Band, or LRB, one of the most successful Australian bands of all time. And joining us once again is the bass player on that song and other LRB songs, George McCartell. Welcome back to the program.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Eric. It's great to be back.
2: Okay, and we're having you share your story. And last time you were talking about the peak of LRB success, mm-hmm. this song that we just heard, mm-hmm. and other things. Uh, well, tell us, what was like the peak for you? What, what did you most enjoy? when you were with LRB.
1: Yeah, um, it's funny because you would expect playing in huge stadiums. Yeah, that's what you'd think. It was not. No. Because um, a lot of the stadiums, apart from being um, affected by weather, Mm -hmm. they're football stadiums and uh, they're concrete boxes.
2: Oh, not uh, acoustically uh, ideal?
1: a, A nice nightclub with acoustically with curtains on the walls. And mm-hmm. was always mo- a lot more enjoyable, but uh, the big stadiums were often uh, acoustically really bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of reverb, echo, you know, just bouncing back in your face. But And the uh, people in the back rows, are they even paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, you know... But obviously, there'd be a lot of money in those mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. uh, venues. But, um, you know, we, we toured with... Um, Bands like Fleetwood Mac and the Beach Boys and Santana. And and this uh, is the late 70s when all these groups are yeah, very big. Yeah. Uh, the list goes on. Mm. You know, and, um, I remember with Santana, Carlos Santana would often come to the side of the stage when he knew I was going to play one of my bass solos. I played two bass solos mm-hmm. during the concert performance every night. And he he would be standing there and he'd put his thumb up as if to say... yeah. Uh, well done, you know. That's yeah. not too hard to take. No, and he, he, he became a bit of a fan of mine. When um, when I left the band, he was interviewed on, on a, a radio show here in Australia. I think the question was, who is your favorite bass player? And he said in response, if I could have any bass player mm-hmm. in the world, in my band, I'd have George McArdle from LRB. So um, so you're being recognized in the industry. I mean, that's a I high was, compliment. Yeah, I was. You know, I was um, always tried to go above and beyond, mm. you know, my ability. And I was studying and practicing all the time. I wouldn't go out, not so much partying, but uh, sightseeing. Mm. I'd stay in the hotel room and I'd have a base there and my books. And he, he could see that, Carlos Santana I'm referring to. And uh, I was a serious musician. He, I, and he organized for me to come to his venue, Boundle Stadium in Brisbane, and we met and he took me into his inner sanctum and introduced mm. me to all the guys in the band who were the who's who. Oh, know? wow. And he said to me, you were far... He said, LRB was a great band, You, but you were head and shoulders above them as a world-class musician, and I consider you one of my peers. That's what he said.
2: Of course, he's uh, an internationally known guitarist, yeah. you know, legendary. Yeah. In rock circles. Yeah. So that's a pretty high compliment.
1: It was a high compliment, and uh, I took it quite seriously mm.
2: And what are some of the big hits from that era? Uh, we talked about reminiscing,
1: reminiscing, help is on its way. happy anniversary, help is on its way, lady. Mm-hmm. Which is not one of my favourite songs to play. Is that right? Yeah, oh, it was I, one I of those grew up songs. With that one. It was one of those songs where I would think, okay, it'll be over in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> not, not every song in a in a reper- concert repertoire is your favourite. Is your favourite? You are doing them every night or nearly yeah. every night. Yeah, so yeah. You, know, you have your favourites. And- what was your favourite? Well, light of day hmm. was not a single but it was a great concert song and it would go for about eight minutes oh wow it was you know it was really got the jam on that one yeah we did and i loved that song i loved playing it. there was a hmm. bass solo in the middle of it and long drawn out guitar solos it was terrific <laughs> which is not what lrb was known for it was more well, kind vocally. Of the road vocally, than, vocally yeah. it was uh, a vocal extravaganza the vocals were magnificent as mm-hmm. were as they were on every song. It was really a vocal band, and I've, I've in my latter years I've grown more and more to appreciate the gift that those guys brought to the band as well. When I joined, I was all about. I was very um, uh, tunnel visioned. I was still just listening to jazz fusion music, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but I've that's it, kind of uh, a musician's music sort of yeah yeah. But in latter years, I've come to appreciate how skillful and talented those guys mm-hmm. were. Glenn was the lead singer. He's Mm -hmm. just such a talented musician, you know. Mm -hmm. Plays great piano. He's got a golden voice that everybody knows and recognizes and loves. And this was the first time an Australian band
2: had top ten hits in the United States and other countries.
1: I think so. I think so. And uh, I'm not so familiar with those sort of statistics. I read it somewhere, so it's got to be true. that's, (laughs) That's right. You hear all these accolades and you... You, know, but, you were going well, okay <laughs> Well, we definitely did have top ten hits I think we had a number yeah. one with one of those songs But um, whether we were, were the first Australian band to do that, I'm not sure I mean, the Seekers had already well, I, I think
2: it was uh, the first Australian band to have a top ten hit for six years in
1: a row Yeah, I've heard that, that that's, yeah. that's what it was exactly Sure, yeah that would So be not terrific. too shabby No, that, no, yeah, that's right We'd drive down Hollywood Boulevard and there'd be these massive big billboards on top of buildings so what was that like for you? Well, um for me, it was all a bit hard to comprehend coming from my background. Mm. And uh, I never played the pop star really. I was I was uh, more of a, a serious musician wanting to excel at what I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was not a pop star and and uh, my own family used to say that about me. George has never changed. You're still just George. Was oh, that right? Yeah. Yeah, You, you didn't really get into being a star and all No, and at one stage we were touring the UK and two of my mates had come to uh, the UK. They were living in London and they came on the road with us. We toured the thing by bus mm-hmm. and I had Bill and Mark from Brunswick <laughs> sleeping in sleeping bags in my motel room <laughs> on the floor every night and they, we just had fun. You know? Yeah. It was terrific. So it didn't go to your head? I don't think so, no. My family didn't think so. They knew me better than anybody Mm. else. Okay. So Mm. it's all going
2: fantastic. Peak of fame. Mm. Wonderful. Right at that peak, you decide, I'm going to leave. Yeah. Why? (laughs) Why would anybody leave such a successful group?
1: Yeah, I was banking big checks, lots of money. I owned my own home when I was 21. No mortgage. Wow. Wow. You know, didn't buy it outright. Yeah. But I paid it off in 12 months. Wow. With the checks I was getting. Living the dream? Yeah, I was. I, I had a brand-new Range Rover parked out the front. But it was a really nice home, three-level, split-level place. And uh, one night I was – I'd been to church that night with my brother and sister. My sister had become a, a Christian, and she was mm. – uh, she had been a heroin addict. Mm. And she responded to uh, a call to ask Jesus into her heart to be her Lord and Savior, and she did that. And she, God touched her that night, and mm. she walked away from the front of that church without any withdrawal systems, and she never – I won't say never touched the heroin again. She did fall back into it, mm. but initially she had no, um, no after-effects mm. or withdrawal symptoms. So that must have got your attention. Well, her, her and my brother took me to that church, mm. and I did the same thing. And about a month later, I got baptized in water. And he, the pastor, made a, a large mention of the fact that I was in LRB, so I was a bit of a celebrity mm. in the church, you know. And I was, I was quite embarrassed about that. And I was that I, right? Yeah, I don't know why. What, you didn't want the attention? No, I didn't want the attention. I'm second guessing the reasons why mm. he did that. So, but I, I didn't want it because I wasn't sh- sure at that stage whether I wanted to belong to that church mm. or any church. Mm. You know And uh, I i didn't want the spotlight on me mm-hmm. So I went home And I looked up at the ceiling And I said to God And that's all he was, God At that stage I said, if you're there And I don't believe that you are But I'm just letting you know That I'm never going back And I went to whoa, 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 Wait a second You had accepted Jesus as your saviour Yeah But after the baptismal service Where I I um, I mean, when I went down in the the tank, the water mm. tank, yeah. he said, "What's your favourite song you'd you'd like us to sing?" And I said, "I don't have one." And he said, um, "Do you want to say a few words?" And I said, "No, I just wanted to get it over and done with." Hmm. And I did that, and I went home, and I just said to God, "Well, if you're there, I'm never going back." End of story, and I meant it.
2: So it sounds like the attention that was being brought to you was it kind had a of negative. Turn, yeah, it, was it turned me off. off.
1: Yeah, it turned me off. But you. Personally, you believed in Jesus. Well, I wasn't sure. I was going mm. along with it, mm. hoping. i tell you what affected me was the enthusiasm of the people that I was meeting who mm. were friends of my brother and sister. They seemed to have something mm. that I wanted. Yeah. They really did. And my brother and sister would take me out to meet them, and we would go out for lunch, and I was pretty – I liked it, you know. Mm. Yeah. But uh, this night – I looked up at the ceiling and I said that to, to God I said you know I'm just never going back and I went to sleep and he woke me up in the middle of the night my bed was shaking like an earthquake Wow! and he, he filled me with the Holy Spirit which I didn't know existed as a matter of fact his presence and power filled my whole bedroom then the ceiling opened up and I, I had a vision of heaven mm. and I'm laying there looking into heaven and he spoke to me there and uh, this is where my life changed. I went from being a cynical unbeliever to um, a fanatic. <laughs> an over-the-top fanatic hmm. in the twinkling of an eye, you know. Now, when you say fanatic, is that in a good way, or...? Well, I was at an extreme. I was hmm. extreme. I, I went back to the band and told them I was leaving. I saw everything going up in...
0: To the story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is once again chatting with George McArdle, who was the original bass player with the Little River Band. And as we just heard, he decided to leave the group at the peak of their success after he became a Christian. We'll find out what happened next in his life when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. We're back with more of Eric Scadabo chatting with George McArdle, who was the bass player with the Little River Band in the 1970s. Before the break, we heard how, at the peak of the group's international success, George decided to leave LRB after becoming a Christian. Now, we'll hear what happened next in his
1: life. I did one more tour of the US with them, and one by one, each of those guys came and asked me not to leave not mm. to go through with it. There'd be a knock on the motel room door and I'd open it and Glenn came in, Glenn Shorrock, sat on the end of the bed and we're chatting and he he said, "Listen mate, I was in a religious cult in in the UK and we used to wear white robes and I grew a beard and mm. I'd just eat brown rice, but I never left. I didn't give my music away. You don't have to go to that extreme and it's probably right." Mm. I did go so why, to the So why did you leave? Because of that night I just in my heart believe That this is too significant For me to just dismiss As oh well that was good Mm. What's next Uh, God spoke to me Mm. He showed me who he is He showed me what heaven is like And I just knew I could not dismiss it I had Mm. to follow it So I did that one more tour of the US The last show I did with them Was at the Nambasa Festival in New Zealand And uh, John Hartman from the Doobie Brothers, the drummer, Mm -hmm. was with us at that stage. And he played drums for us that night. And Derek played on the other side. I was standing in the middle between two magnificent drummers. And it was the best LRB ever sounded. We Mm -hmm. had two drummers playing in unison. And uh, I'm in the middle thinking, what am I doing? How can I walk away from this? But I did. I was just... uh, in the valley of decision that night the next day we said goodbye at the airport and i never played with them again
2: Hmm. it's
1: tough it's a tough decision i went to bible college for three years i was going to say did god clearly kind of lead you to what was next i thought so at the time and i i went to bible college and i was with uh i was there for three years I got filled with the Holy Spirit at Bible College It's not something that's talked about a lot these days But I was incredibly I had another It was just like in my room that night His presence came again I, I uh, was in a prayer meeting at Bible mm-hmm. College And he came and did that And um, again, totally changed And I could see this is, a, this is something that isn't a one-off mm-hmm. This is continuing to happen and it has Throughout my Christian life You know And so that kept me interested mm-hmm. It was like another A little stepping stone mm-hmm. This is the way to go Keep following this So I did You know And uh, from Bible college I, um, I started doing what I'm kind of doing now Travelling around telling my story mm-hmm. More about LRB back then I had very little to share I was very green I've been a Christian for 45 years now, but back then I was a new Christian and it was just, I was getting invitations from all the big churches mm-hmm. around Australia, can you come, I like Western Australia, mm-hmm. Adelaide, yeah. Queensland you know. and I would just tell my story mm-hmm. about LRB and then the pastor would get up and wind it up and ask people if they wanted to do what I had done and ask Jesus into my heart you know. and they would come out the front and my, my name and my story would, would get people along to the church mm-hmm. and then he would take over with pastor mm-hmm. and, and wind things up that way.
2: So this is where the Lord led you to be? Did you kind
1: of see yourself doing this? No, I didn't, but it started when I was at Bible College. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I was invited up to Queensland to a big church, the biggest church at the time in Brisbane, and I didn't show up. I just, no? Well, I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying that. um, The same reason why I didn't like what happened in the church in Melbourne. I was not enjoying it. I felt that I was falling apart inside, Mm. and uh, it it opened a can of worms. What was happening inside? All those insecurities about who I really was Mm. resurfaced, and I'm being made a fuss over. Even in LRB, I was just the bass player. You mentioned earlier that... uh, uh, bands, even famous bands, are still just faceless bands, really. Mm. People love the music, but they don't really know who the people are in mm-hmm. the band. Yeah. And I responded with, except John, Paul, George, and Ringo. And yeah, yeah. We both had a laugh. Well, that's true. Nobody knew who I was. Yeah. You know, So you had knows. that
2: anonymity when you are part of that group, but now all of a sudden you're a big thing because you're a former member of LRB. Uh,
1: big um, made more of a, the spotlight was mm. more upon me. You As a Christian, the, yeah. when I was in the band, i do the oh. odd radio interview. Yeah, how but ironic. One, but one of the other guys would do most of the talking, mm. you know. And here I am now, the focus of attention. And I'm like, like here we are today. Mm. Sorry you to know?
2: put you through this. But. <laughs> no, but,
1: you know, and it, some of these anxieties resurfaced. Mm. Mm. And I wasn't enjoying it. And I was invited up to, they paid my fare and I spent the day... I went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and missed my flight. So that was just kind of being rebellious, that, that this was not where you wanted to be? I was not being rebellious. I was scared. Hmm. And it was a big church in Brisbane, and I was in Bible college in Katoomba in New South Wales. And I went down to Sydney with a friend, but instead of going to the airport, we went and saw um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hmm. And I missed my flight, and I went back to Bible College. And the principal greeted me at the front door. He said, "George, get on that plane right now. They're a major, they uh, a major supporter of the college. If you don't show up, they're going to cut the funds." Oh wow! <laughs>
2: so it sounds like things were being done, but not always for the right purposes.
1: Well, I don't know about the purpose, uh-huh. but I, I I got on the plane the next morning. No, that night mm. I flew up and I stayed at the Hilton at the at the airport in Brisbane. And I went to the church. There were two churches I went to the next day. Mm -hmm. And the Sunday evening service was at the big church in Brisbane. And uh, I did my thing. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't even own a bass. I I was so radically transformed. I'd given all my basses away. Mm -hmm. I sang a couple of songs that I'd written on a nylon string acoustic guitar. I don't know whether they were impressed or disappointed at my Mm -hmm. presentation. But that's all I was allowing myself to do. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I stayed away from my playing for, I think, nearly twenty years. Never touched
2: it. Now, do you think the Lord led you to that, or?
1: Yeah, I had to just put it down. Mm-hmm. I felt that, that when I would pick it up, it was too much of my old life would resurface. Mm-hmm. So I just wouldn't touch it, and I didn't own a bass. So I, a guy asked me to play. He was producing an album, and he contacted me. He was from South Africa. This guy, and he, he rang me up and said, "Would you like to play on an album I'm producing?" bass I said Mm. I don't own a bass wow (laughs) I didn't own (laughs) a bass this famous bass player didn't own a bass yeah so he went he said if I got you a bass would you play on it Mm. I said yeah okay he went to a shop and found a left handed Ibanez bass and I played that on this album and he loved what I did Mm. I was surprised how well I I still played Uh, weren't you a little rusty after all those years you would think so Mm. you would think so but but it all came back all came back It was easy. Mm. It was a Christian album, mostly old standard classic hymns. Mm -hmm. Easy to play. But he loved it. And I was doing some nice little melodic things. Mm. He loved it so much that he went and bought the bass and gave it to me as a gift, and so I continued to play it. Wow! And I would just allow myself to play in church. But the the old George would resurface when I would play in the church band. What what do you uh, mean by that? I'd start showing off on the stage. Was well,
2: there a little ego involved in that? Of
1: course. Yeah. And uh I couldn't help myself. <laughs> hey, look <laughs> at me. I used to be <laughs> yeah. a big thing. <laughs> yeah, but I had all this anxiety now that I mm. associated with it. And I I'd, I'd come home and I'd be saying, "God, please forgive me for doing that mm-hmm. today." And this continued to the point where I came home one night and I said to my wife, "I'm resigning in the morning. I'm writing the music director resigning
2: therefore. from uh, the, the worship, worship team,
1: team. Mm-hmm. i'm not going to do it anymore I'm so at get... that
2: point you were regularly
1: playing on the worship team yeah. every sunday oh yeah they didn't have a problem it was me that had the problem mm. and i said i said to my wife i'm not going to do it anymore well she the whole time we'd been married i hadn't been playing anyway so mm-hmm. it was, she couldn't have cared less you know so i went to bed that night again happy with the decision Mm -hmm. I wake up in the middle of the night Like I did in my house Mm. in Melbourne His presence came into the room Flowing over me like rivers of living water And uh, he spoke to me Twice While I was laying in the bed And he said to me Who are you following? I said you Lord And he said it a second time Who are you following? You Lord Then it lifted And for days I was on cloud nine, just in a heavenly place, going to work, Mm -hmm. but so impacted by that. And then eventually I realised why he asked me that question and I never did write that letter and I stayed on the music team and obviously my feelings about my playing were not bothering him and the really interesting thing about it was at the same time that he said that to me. The crisis in Africa was happening with the, the mm-hmm. in Rwanda and those places. The genocide. Yep. The genocide, and it was on the TV every night. Mm-hmm. Bodies in fields, mm-hmm. stacked three high, and bodies floating down rivers without heads
2: mm-hmm.
1: and hands, and um, all that was happening. And yet he spoke to me about something that, in comparison, was really trivial, mm-hmm. but it meant something to him. And I never gave my music away, and I've been playing ever since. I gradually began to buy better basses than that one that I had, and uh, I recorded an album. I've recorded two now, you know. And I I travel around to churches, and I, I do my presentation, and my music's a critical part of it. So, uh, it was right. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was right. God wanted you to keep, wanted keep playing me your to bass. Keep playing. Mm-hmm. And I practice regularly now. I'm a better musician than I was in LRB by far. Hmm. So it was a great thing that he said to me that night.
0: Well, that was part two of our conversation with bass player George McArdle, who achieved fame and fortune with the Little River Band in the late 1970s. But as we heard, he gave it all up after becoming a Christian and went to Bible school. However, as we also heard, the troubles and insecurities from his childhood began to resurface in his life and led to many challenges. We'll hear more of George's story next time and more of how God has helped him to go through various challenges, including in his marriage and in his health. Until then, if you'd like to learn more about George and his music since becoming a Christian, his website is georgemccardle.com. That's McCardle. Com. Well, until next time, when we'll hear part three of George McArdle's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The
1: Story. I ended up painting the church that I was attending. It was a big church. I remember walking through the car park in my old painting clothes, covered in paint, and two guys in their business suits walked past me in one said to the other so that i could hear it <laughs> it's a long way from the little river band and that was like a knife into my heart you know george mccardell was the original bass player for aria hall of fame rock
0: group the little river band or lrb he created signature bass lines for some of their biggest hits and is known as one of the greatest bass guitarists to come out of australia we'll hear more of his story next time the story the story